Okay, good morning. Uh, we're going to look at the Bible again together. Uh, and you'll know uh, if you've been with us that over recent weeks, certainly when me and Dan have been preaching, uh, we've been looking in different ways at the wake-up call that God is giving to us and to his church. Uh, and Dan carried that on last week uh, as he preached. Uh, and this week, I just felt along the similar lines that God would be waking us up by actually calling us to look at uh, a story where Peter's woken up in prison. Uh, he's, uh, it's the story of Peter's escape from prison in Acts chapter 12. Uh, uh, I just feel that God would speak to us uh, at this time uh, through this story. Uh, and uh, so let's, let's read it. We're going to read from Acts chapter 12, uh, verses 1 uh, to 18. Uh, just to read uh, through that story, see, uh, and we'll, we'll talk off the back of that. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak round you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You are out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. There we are, a remarkable story, an incredible event of how God intervenes and brings Peter out of the prison where he was meant to be, be killed by Herod, put on trial with the aim of seeing him killed in the morning. He is set free as God leads him out by his angel. Uh, and it comes in an amazing time. The early chapters of Acts we've seen since the day of Pentecost, where Peter gets up, having been all the apostles filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000 are added to their number on that day. We've seen 
an amazing time of great expansion of the church, the church being established and growing, great, amazing works of God's power by his spirit, but also a time of great pain. Seeing this is not the first time that Peter or the other apostles had been arrested and put in prison. We've seen Stephen and others facing great persecution, Stephen being stoned to death. And we see the persecution that results from that spreading people, scattering people uh, to many places. And now here in Acts 12, James has been arrested by Herod and killed. And now Peter has been arrested. Uh, an incredible time. Great works of the gospel expanding, of spreading to many people, but also much persecution. Here and now, this time might feel very different, but we too can see God at work. In us, in the world, seeing people saved and added, God's kingdom advancing in many places. But we also see trouble and opposition. We see hardship. We see a global pandemic. We see disasters in different places. We see persecution. We can see all sorts of difficult circumstances. So what would God have us see at this time as we look at these verses? Well, I would suggest he would have us see these three things. That as we read, as we look at this, that we would recognise our king. Having recognised our king, we would follow our king. Having done that, we would, and, and as well as that, we would pray to our king. Incredible story seeing God at work. So let's recognize our king together. As we read these verses, we see a God who is in control, a sovereign God, God who reigns over everything. He's in control and he has the power to intervene miraculously in situations. And we see even as we start into this passage, there's a mystery in that. We see God's sovereignty worked out, even here. What does it say? It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. We see God's sovereignty worked out, even here. James is killed. Peter escapes from prison. What's going on here? So it'd be easy to slip into thinking, well, maybe, maybe Herod caught God napping here. One nil to Herod. Herod gets James, but then God wakes up and he, he, he gets his own back. He's not going to get Peter as well. Yeah, you may have arrested him, but I'm going to set him free. No, it's not like that. God isn't caught napping. Herod doesn't get the upper hand. Herod's not winning and then God fights back. God's in control. God is sovereign. There's a mystery to it. Why, Why was it that James was to die at this point, but Peter would be released and would carry on spreading the good news? There is a mystery to it, but God is in control. This is what we can rest sure of. God is sovereign and he is in control. We see in that wonderful chapter in Hebrews 11, where we just see again and again by faith, 
Different things happen. Different people live for God in different ways. We see towards the end of that chapter that by faith, in verse 34, by faith many quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. We see some who escape death, some who escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, incredible things happening, incredible victories in battle. But then a few verses later, we see others in verse 36, some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the swords. And a couple of verses later, it says in verse 39, these were all commended for their faith. And yet none of them received what had been promised. And it goes on, we see God's sovereign plan working out and it is a mystery. Some saved from death, some dying, some being killed by the sword, some escaping the sword. James here being killed, but Peter being released from prison. But the truth is this, God is in control. He is sovereign. He is at work in all things for the good of those who love him. And we see here, as we go on to look at the story, God is sovereign and in control. And as we can see here, he is able to break in in miraculous power. You see, as we read the story, we see Peter is miraculously released from prison. An angel comes, wakes him up. His chains fall off. The door opens for them. The, they walk past the guards and they're out. You see, we could easily turn immediately to to symbolizing this. Oh, God has broken our chains. He set us free from sin and death. Hallelujah. Wonderful. We can turn to Charles Wesley's glorious words and in the hymn, And Can It Be? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flame with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. Incredible truth. So easy to look at this and just just to be thinking, oh, yes, I've been set free from sin. Because the truth is, that's the bigger thing. God has set us free from sin and death. By his death on the cross, he has set us free. But we need to remember, this is the God who physically released Peter from a, an earthly prison cell. God broke in to Peter's circumstances. We need to open our eyes to the power of the king we follow. Yes, 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 we can cry out. He has set us free from sin and death, but he's the one who also has power to break in in our circumstances today. We can see, if we read uh, brother, the book about Brother Yun, the heavenly man, See that in 1997, he is kind of a modern day example of exactly this. He walked out of a prison in China, a prison that no one had previously been known to have escaped from. Incredible story. You can read it in that book, The Heavenly Man, where he reports, he says, I just started to walk out of the door. When the guards looked at me, he seemed to look straight at me, and yet he looked through me. He didn't see me. 
It's as if he didn't see me and I just walked out and walked out of the outer gates. Incredible. This is the God that we serve. Yes, he has conquered the power of sin and death. We are set free, but he is the one who is in control and can break in in miraculous power. He's the one who's in control. Nothing will stop his kingdom advance. Not Herod or the Sanhedrin, not the power of Rome, not any government or earthly king who has come before or after, not COVID or any other disease, nothing. Like Paul says of the love of God in Romans 8, what, will se- what can separate us from the love of God? Can hardship or famine or darkness or nakedness or sword or famine, nothing can separate us. Jesus had said to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18, yes, you are Peter, and on this rock, what? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Troubles will come, persecution, hardship, sickness. We may face many things, including death, maybe. James did. He faced death. Maybe prison, Peter did and many others, but God is in control. He's the one who is in control of all things and the one who can intervene and break in in our circumstances today. So we recognize this is our king and we follow him. We follow our king. We see, if we look in Acts chapter four and five, this isn't the first time that Peter's been arrested. We could look back uh, in Acts chapter 4 and we see him and John were arrested. And then as they're being released, uh, in chapter 4 verse 18, the, the Sanhedrin called them in and command them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? To listen to you or to him? Peter and John are clear. We're going to obey God. We're going to obey him. We're going to trust him. We're going to live for him. Peter and the other apostles had got this clear. We are living for our God. And when the authorities say, no, 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 you need to stop talking about him. We can't do that. We need to obey our king. We need to obey our God. We need to follow him. They were ready, as Jesus had gone on to say in Matthew 16, And verse 24, anyone who will come after me must take up their cross and follow me. We're ready to go to prison again. We're ready even to die. We're following Jesus. We're following our King. What are we living for? Who are we living for? Sometimes if we're honest, it can appear we're just, we're living for me, for my comfort. Maybe I'm living for my family. I'm looking after them. Not necessarily bad things, but who's above it all? Who are we putting first? Who are we living for? I don't wanna live for me and my comfort. I wanna live for my King, the King of glory, for his kingdom, for his glory. We have a King. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's what the, those ones who live by faith, who are commended in Hebrews 11, were living for. 
So if they were looking to another kingdom, they were looking for a city with foundations whose, whose architect and builder is God. They weren't living for the world around them. They were living for him and for his kingdom and the city that he is building. And for the one, the king, Jesus, who is coming back one day, living in the light of eternity. He's coming back. There is a day that all creation's longing for, a day of freedom and liberation for the earth. Are we living for that? Are we living for him? Everything we do for him. I want to obey God, not man. I don't want to give in to fear of man. I want to speak out for my God, for my king. We hear Peter's words in Acts 5, uh, after that previous arrest in Acts 5, verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We're witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Witnesses of the King, the one who died and rose again. We're living for him, everything for him, everything for our king, the one who is coming again, living for him, obeying him in the light of his return. We recognize our king and we follow him and we pray to our king, recognizing the power of prayer. We see in Acts 12, this almost Almost comedy scene. Peter, the angels come to him. He's been woken up. He's been set free from prison. He's walked out of the prison doors. He's, and he's come to his senses and recognized, surely God has sent his angel and set me free. And he goes to Mary's house, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where the believers are gathered to pray. And we have this comedy scene. Peter knocks on the door. It's Peter. I'm here. Peter's here. Rhoda comes to the door. This servant girl comes. It's Peter. She forgets to open the door. She goes back in and, and they can't believe it. They can't believe it. It's an incredible time. As they've prayed, God has done more than they could imagine. They're praying for Peter. They're lifting him up in prayer. And yet they can't believe that God's done this. Let's recognize as we see this story, things change when God's people pray. I was reminded of that looking at those verses in James. I put, might have seen that video that we posted out the other week. Reminding ourselves again, this wonderful sentence in James 5, as James exhorts us, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You see, God calls his people to pray and see him break in. To seek him. God, what is your will? God, what are you calling us to do? God, would you break in in this and see him answer? 
See, James puts it plainly in the chapter before. You do not have because you do not ask. James 4 verse 2. He goes on to clarify, when you, when you ask, you have wrong motives. You, let's be those who are attuned to God. Let's be seeking him, praying to him. We see this is what the believers are doing here. They see this is the moment we need to gather. Peter's in trouble. Let's pray. Let's pray. And God breaks in. And we see the grace of God here. God's grace as they pray for Peter, even as they're praying, God sets them free. And we see this is beyond their imaginings. That Peter could turn up at the door even while we're praying for him. Oh God, help him, set him free, set him free from Herod's clutches. Let Herod not have his way. Let him not be killed tomorrow. And Rhoda comes in, Peter's here. No, no, no. Rhoda, be quiet. Don't be silly. We're praying for Peter, don't you? No, don't interrupt. He's in prison, remember? We need to pray. We need to pray for him. No, he's here. He's here. The grace of God and God is saying, look, look what I can do in the midst of this. So having recognised our king, let's follow him and let's pray in expectation as we Get time alone with our Father. Let's pray. As we meet with others, let's pray. Let's join together and pray. As we come as a church to pray together, We're coming tonight at 7.30 on YouTube and then on Zoom afterwards, let's come in expectation, recognising who our God is, the one who can break in, the one who can do more than we can even imagine. He is God. We have a God who hears and is powerful and gracious. As Jesus encouraged us, ask, seek, knock. You can look that up in Matthew 7. Come and ask, come and seek. He who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. He who knocks, the door will be opened. We have a God who hears and is gracious and powerful and able to act remember let's wake up and remember this is who he is this is who we follow the one who can break in the one who is in control the one who is worthy to be followed and let's follow him with all our hearts and let's keep praying keep coming to him keep speaking to our father and hearing him let's go from here recognizing the God who's in control the God who sets prisoners free let's follow him living for him and his kingdom, living in the light of his return and praying to him, seeking him, hearing his voice, lifting up our requests and our praise to him with expectation because he is a, a wonderful God. Amen. Amen.